This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And I met you in the summer. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to the Equity Mates Summer Series, proudly supported by Sharesies. Over 12 episodes, we're diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well known companies from Australia and the US. Each episode, we're also joined by an expert to help us unpack the key metrics to look at the bull case and the bear case for each company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. I am glad to be back. Yes. We have spoken about some fascinating companies, some companies that you've called boring. This one is going to straddle the line for you because they make their money selling cardboard boxes and packaging, but they sell a lot into the retail space and we know how much you love retail. Love retail. I also love global leaders from our, our backyard. Australian backyard. And that's what we have here t- today with Amcor. We're digging into Amcor, listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. And our expert in the second half of the episode is Anna Milne from Wilson Asset Management to help us through it. Let's be clear, it's also listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Dual listing. There you go. Love to see that. As we said, Equity Mate Summer Series is proudly supported by Shezies, who have an incredible platform that allows you to invest the way you like. Choose from over 8,000 companies and exchange-traded funds on the Australian market, the US market, and New Zealand share market. And that's... You know what that means, Bryce? What's that? What's that? It means you could buy Amcor in Australia and Amcor in the US <laughs> on shares. True, you could. And not only that, Ren, but you could auto-invest into Amcor with their auto-invest feature, which truly allows you to execute dollar cost averaging into the three markets that we spoke about, Australia, US and New Zealand. Just get it going. Just get it going. There is a promo code. It's not specific to equity mates. There's nowhere to track how many conversions we have and we don't get paid <laughs> if someone uses it. But it does give you 10 bucks, so we're going to share it with you. The promo code is GROW. When you sign up to the Sharesies platform, if you use it, you'll get 10 bucks in your account. Promotion T's and C's apply. Head to sharesies.com.au to learn more or download the Sharesies app. And as a reminder, we are licensed, but we are not aware of your personal circumstances. All information on the show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general advice. So, Ren? I was trying to going to try and get in and get you to do it, <laughs> but uh, I'll okay, do it. I can do it. All right, Bryce, we are starting these episodes with company in a sentence, Amcor in a sentence. 
Amcor makes packaging for the stuff you buy in supermarkets. Not bad. That's basically <laughs> it. Also, the stuff you buy in pharmacies and retail locations. Food, healthcare, beverages, <laughs> you name it, they're in it. Founded in Australia in 1860, it is now one of the world's largest packaging producers operating in over 220 sites across 43 countries and employing 44,000 people. Now, we said it's dual listed in the US and Australia. An important note, the stock tickers are different. In Australia, AMC... I assume that was taken by AMC Cinemas over in the States. I was just going to say, yeah, so Enter- AMC Entertainment. Do not get that mixed up. You yeah. want ASX, AMC. You do not want... No, you don't. You don't want to look at the five-year chart for AMC Entertainment No, holdings. you do not want New York Stock Exchange, AMC. You want New York Stock Exchange, AMC, R. Yes. R for Ren. Remember that. R for Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Or just R for remember. (laughs) Anyway, uh, about a 17 billion US dollar market cap. It's a giant. It's, I mean, it and Vizzy are sort of the two... Two box companies started in Australia taking on the world. Love it. They also... Uh, this isn't alleged because they admitted to it. They also colluded to fix prices maybe like 20 years ago, those uh, two. We'll, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, they are big in consumer packaging, the consumer end market, you know, us in supermarkets, in health in health food shops, uh, 95%, over 95% of sales goes towards packaging in those markets. So you think about food, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, uh, Nestle, Mondelez, Unilever, all use uh Amcor is packaging Johnson and Johnson Colgate you name it Kimberly Clark Kimberly Clark GSK P&G us all Abbott. the big consumer brands Did are, you say Mondelez? I did. And Unilever? Yes. And Were you even listening? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I was actually just fact checking it was about 20 years ago that they did their price fixing and it was about 20 years. Nice. 15, 20 nice years, good sorry. fact check. So they are massive players with um uh, within the consumer packaging for, for food, beverages and healthcare. And their business is kind of split in two. Yeah, two segments uh, that they split it into, flexible packaging and rigid plastic packaging. So Flexibles is their bigger business. Uh, did 2022 US $11.2 billion in sales. It has 170 plants in 39 countries, 38,000 employees, and it produces the flexible packaging, folding cartons for food, beverage, pharmaceutical, medical, home, personal care, other products. Think of things like your chip packets, your pet food packets. Just like walk down a supermarket aisle, not the fresh food section, not the meat section. Just look in the aisles and you're surrounded by Amcor products. There are There is flexible packaging everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So much. much. We will get to that because the big conversation here is ESG. So we will get to that. Yes. So that's the flexibles. That's their bigger business. Uh, It does 11.2 billion in revenue. The other one is rigid plastic. It does 3.4 billion, 50 plants in 11 countries, 6,000 employees. It's still one of the world's largest suppliers of plastic containers. And as the name suggests, where one business is flexible 
The, this one is rigid, so you're thinking here more like your water bottles and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just packaging. It's like, hey, have you got a product that you want to put in something? Go to Amcor and they'll design what you need. Great business. <laughs> yeah. Great business. <laughs> Their team of packageologists will get your <laughs> stuff in pa- plastic. Oh, well, my time in, in Woolies, I did spend some time in our packaging team and the science that goes into it is um, is is astonishing. So it'd be, it would be interesting to... Get some insight into into how they go about it, but ran some key numbers: eighteen billion dollar US market cap. They're actually up one percent year to date. Inflation yeah. proof. Inflation proof. Well, or they have bargaining power and they can pass those costs on. That would probably be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are up ten percent for the past five years, so not huge growth. Definitely underperforming the uh, the index over the last they would be five a com- years. They would be a company that is just, just exposed to like global GDP at this point. Mm. It's like so if the global consumer is going to buy more stuff, they're probably going to end up buying more Amcor packaging. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm keen to hear what is the bull case outside of just being a GDP it, tracker. I mean, without, <laughs> from Anna after without this. trying to jump the gun, what it's going to be, maybe a valuation play given the market, but it's going to be a... a technology play the way you this is me channeling an amcor ceo (laughs) the the way that we deal with the sustainability challenges of packaging is new and better packaging amcor have the balance sheet to invest in the r&d to deliver sustainable and healthy and cost efficient (laughs) and environmentally safe packaging that none of our competitors can do we're investing a billion dollars a year on the next generation of packaging and we're going to blow our competitors out of the water doing it. Next question. You've never seen packaging <laughs> like this before. <laughs> Revenue of $14.5 billion, uh, up from $9.1 billion five years ago. Revenues increased almost 60% in the past five years. As we said, most of that revenue is generated from their flexible side of the business, 77%, and almost half their revenue comes from markets in North America where, as you would expect, a lot of those consumer markets are. It's, so it's a global company, but it hasn't forgotten its Australian roots. Yes. So it splits it out geographically. North America, 48% of its revenue. Western Europe, 22% of its revenue. Emerging markets, now that encaps- encapsulates a lot. a lot of the world, yeah. 27%, but it, it still splits out Australia <laughs> and New Zealand. 3% of total <laughs> revenue, still calling Australia home. Love to see it. Uh, a healthy profit of $805 million. It was 564 five years ago. So they've increased profit to the tune of 43% over the past five years. So it's just one of those big companies that keeps churning out. Yeah. Now we're talking about where do companies see their future. Amcor sees a future of more and better packaging, <laughs> filling our landfills <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and our recycling bins. <laughs> now, so they've identified a few priority segments where they think they have a competitive advantage and leadership. Uh, protein, healthcare, premium coffee, pet food. And this is an interesting one that I haven't had a lot to do with, hot fill beverages. Coffee. But like, yeah, but I think it's ones where you fill it hot and then it gets chilled. I don't really know. But well, in the production process. Well, look at the photo they've got there. I know this isn't great on a podcast, but they've got a Gatorade bottle there. Gatorades. Oh, maybe. Like, are you f- yeah. when, when's a Gatorade getting hot? Maybe in the production process. But is it? Isn't it just like cordial? <laughs> no, a few you electrolytes don't know. Oh, right. I want you know. Uh, uh, no, but like I wouldn't be surprised if it's 
uh, if there's heat involved in creating Gatorade. Do you know why it's called Gatorade? No. It started the Florida Gators, the um, college uh, sports team. They made it for them. Oh, there you go. Gator 8. There you go. Yeah. Well, you did mention sustainability, yeah. Ren. And this is the it conversation. Is, it, is a big, conversation. it is a big challenge for an industry of um, consumable packaging. So, so where does Amcor sit here? The fundamental challenge when it comes to packaging is packaging waste v food waste. And you'll see people line up on both sides of this. Amcor will say food waste is more environmentally damaging than packaging waste. If our packaging can extend the life of food and reduce food waste, then there's a net benefit to the environment by not having that food go to waste. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. It's also a net benefit to people just having more food to be consumed. Um, but, you know, when food breaks down in landfill, it releases methane and that's uh, got like 26 times the global warming potential of carbon dioxide. Like you, it, they're, they're not wrong. But on the other side, there's a lot of people that look at just the state of packaging now. Mm. You know, Red Cycle collapsed earlier this year. We did an episode on that on the dive that people should go and listen to. And they say... Plastic packaging is out of control. Way too much of it isn't recyclable through commercial, scalable, municipal channels and we need to do something about it. Mm. And so that's really the tension. Does this mean that we're going to see less packaging or is is it just going to be continued tension where Amcor say our packaging is just going to get better, technology is going to mean we can, to your point, food's going to last longer, less food waste. That's where we're going to play and that's where we're going to stay. Yeah, I think it's when I when I was channeling the Amcor CEO earlier when it's like technology, you know, new packaging, different packaging, better packaging, that's going to be the catch cry. Mm, mm. There's so much greenwashing in this space. It frustrates me so much. But they're not wrong, I think, is the important thing. Um, two things can be true at the same time. Mm. Reducing food waste is important and there's a lot of greenwashing when it comes to sustainability and packaging. Mm. We pulled out some of their... ESG presentations, and some of the numbers are pretty startling. 30% of food is wasted globally. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Food waste accounts for 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And if if it were a country, food waste would be third Wow. for greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. Yeah, I assume China and the US are the only two that beat them. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so like the thing that we don't really see is – a lot of food waste gets wasted after we buy it and we leave it in the fridge for too long or we forget about it in the pantry. No quality of packaging is going to stop that. You could improve it. You could improve it, but, you know, that stuff that you've left in the crisper for six months, mm, mm, it's sorry. gone. Yeah. And on the other side, another big bucket of food waste is at the farm gate, like stuff that doesn't get accepted and so it gets wasted at farm. Also, the best packaging in the world isn't going to solve that. Look, we're pretty complex as a species. We can work and walk and chew gum at the same time. We can solve food waste and improve and, and reduce both. packaging. Yes, yeah. But not if Amcor gets to <laughs> Now, Amcor is listed on the ASX. The stock ticker is AMC and you can access the Australian market, the US market and New Zealand markets on the Sharesies platform with no investment minimum. You can buy shares or portions of shares on the Sharesies platform from just one cent. The Sharesies platform makes investing easy. All investing involves risk. This is not a recommendation and you should perform your own research. Promo T's and C's apply. Now, we're going to take a very quick break and we will be right back to discuss Amcor with Anna Milne, Equity Analyst at Wilson Asset Management. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One, two, three. Bring it back. Hey, it's another delightful day here in Vacation Land. All right, Ren, well, we've just spent 20 minutes or so rambling about Amcor and our thoughts on it, but is I'm excited to uh, welcome an expert t- uh, to help us through the bull case, the bear case. What are some of the key metrics? So it is our pleasure to welcome Anna Milne, equity analyst at Wilson Asset Management and uh, responsible for the WAM leaders portfolio. ASX is WLE, that's the ticker. Anna, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We've spoken a little bit about uh, what the company is, what it does, but we really want to talk about the company as an investment now. And we want to start with uh, the metrics that matter for this company. Uh, You know, Bryce and I have a retail background and in the world of retail, it's sales per square meter, it's same store sales. Uh, And so let's start there for Amcor. What metrics matter and uh, perhaps just as importantly, what metrics don't when analysing this company? Yeah, maybe I'll start with the latter, process of elimination, uh, what doesn't matter and then we can elaborate on what does matter. So first of all, it's a mature company generating billions of dollars in cash flows. So you don't have to be looking at your revenue multiples, you don't have to be looking at your TAMs, you don't have to look at a revenue forecast in five and ten years' time just to get some kind of finger-in-the-air guidance on how you should value the thing. So of more importance is really the traditional metrics. So from a fundamental analysis perspective, uh, number one, free cash flow. Free cash flow is king. So free cash flow is your earnings less your capex and your working capital. So basically, if you're putting any new production lines on, if you're building new facilities, your accounts receivable, payables, all those little bits that move around. But long story short, it's how much money you have in the bank from your operations at the end of the period. So that's free cash flow. And the second metric is just a metric you'd use for all companies is your revenues, your earnings, and therefore your margins. You have to be a little bit careful with Amcor's margins. A lot of their costs are variable. They go up and down uh, all the time. So that's the likes of polymers uh, and just all their plastic type inputs. And they have pass-through mechanisms to their uh, customers so they don't take on that risk, but it does distort their margin profile. So you kind of have to uh, strip that out and work out for every $1 of revenue, are they becoming more efficient at generating earnings? Mm. We did notice that they were up 1% year to date or thereabouts and we did speak about the fact that they would have passed on a lot of their input costs through to customers and so that makes a bit of sense. Yes, exactly. And and it occurs with a lag as well, so it's not uh, perfect. And in the last few years we've had rising input costs, but it's as they fall, uh, it works the other way as well. So you do ha- definitely have to watch that. So you, you mentioned there, uh, you look at those numbers and you make an assessment, are they getting more efficient over time? Mm. Are they getting more efficient over time? Uh, it's an interesting point. I think it is very dependent on the operating environment that they are in because there is a lot of operating leverage in a business like theirs. Uh, and there is also a lot of mix impacts as well. So we'll go into it later, but as you move into more sustainable packaging, uh, you're taking a huge problem off your customers' hands and so you can charge a lot more uh, for ultimately the same product if you are solving some of their sustainability issues. Mm. So those are the probably the fundamental 
analysis metrics that we look at. And then from a valuation perspective, it's the usuals, the PEs, the EBITDA, EBITDAs. So for every $1 of earnings, how much are you willing to pay? Um, so for those sitting at home and um, thinking about, you know, making their own investment checklists or frameworks or whatever it is, you mentioned that you're looking at this through the lens of it's now an established company. It's mm-hmm. not the growth company. So why is cash flow an important metric amongst all the others that you could look at, why why cash flow? Uh, cash flow is ultimately the lifeblood of the business. And I think Amcor does a really uh, good job of communicating their shareholder value creation model. They say there are four key pillars. So they, they are, they're guiding to one to 1.1 billion of cash flow this year. And within that, there are four things they spend it on. So the first one is, as we've said, CapEx. So building new factories, putting new lines on to generate that organic growth. The second one is acquisitions for inorganic growth, and they're very uh, active in the acquisition space, whether that be transformative or more bolt-ons that just complement their existing strategies. The third pillar is share buybacks. They've actually bought back around 8% of their shares on issue over the last three years, and that is pretty high. And so on an earnings base that uh, you can assume doesn't change a lot, the proportion each shareholder gets is that much bigger when there's less shares on issue. So that's massively value accretive for shareholders. And then the last point is the dividend yield. And so they say with those four pillars being CapEx, acquisitions, share buybacks and dividends, they'll generate 5 to 10% EPS growth or earnings growth every year, as well as a dividend yield of 4 to 5%. So that is 10 to 15% uh, value for shareholders every year. Yeah, the Americans must be loving it that there's an Australian company on their, now on their exchange paying 4% dividend. <laughs> they're, they're not used to that. No, they're not. It's a completely different mindset over yeah. there. <laughs> so uh, we want to, uh, I guess, get the two sides of the story there, the bull case and the bear case, and really understand, I guess, what needs to be true for both. So, you know, we're optimistic people here. So let's start with the bull case. What is it? And, you know, we're all about building sustainable competitive advantages. Um, that's what we're looking for with these companies. So where is Amcor building that sustainable competitive advantage? So given the industries Amcor operates in, majority food and beverage and healthcare, the range of outcomes that they can experience in any kind of economic environment is pretty narrow, plus five to minus five. So even if we say, you know, earnings are down, they're not down 20%, they're not down 30%, they're down 2% or 3%. Uh, when you compare that to the likes of high risk, uh, high growth, cyclical names, or it could be plus 50%, minus 50%, um, you name it, it's a possible outcome. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, f- to generate a bull scenario, you want earnings to beat expectations and you also need valuations to go higher. And because that earnings is a little bit limited in how far it can go, a lot of it actually comes down to the sentiment and the valuation. And in my fund, we're really focused on three key factors, the macro environment, the fundamentals and the sentiment. It's actually a little bit counterintuitive, but the bull case for Amcor might actually be a slight softening in the macro environment. Because if, if the economy slows, we eat more at home, we go out less, and they're a lot more leveraged to at-home consumption than they are out-of-home consumption. And in the GFC, this exact thing happened and it took four years post-GFC for the at-home versus out-of-home to return to more normal levels. So they really benefited uh, during that time. From a macro perspective, it's not actually, you know, economic growth 
continuing to grow that will actually be the best case scenario for them, which is quite interesting. Uh, and then from a fundamental perspective uh, for their own their own companies' initiatives where they're building a sustainable competitive advantage, they have four main pillars. So that is Nespresso coffee capsules, and we can probably have the debate. I'd like to hear your opinions. <laughs> have you already discussed this? On, no, on no. the quality of coffee or the sustainability, sustainability. of coffee capsules? Uh, I mean, they both come into consideration, <laughs> but I was actually thinking more, if we are heading into a soft economic environment, mm, yeah. do people trade down from a 450 or maybe maybe it's a $550 uh, oat latte to an espresso, or do they go from an espresso to an instant? Well, well, good question. The, yeah, good question. I where's think, the net change? I think if, if people are listening to an investing podcast, surely they've done the maths on a $4.50 <laughs> oat latte <laughs> and they realise that even buying like a top-of-the-line Breville coffee machine makes sense. The payback is like a year, yeah. maybe yeah. two years, depending on how much okay, you Okay, so they're already using the Nespresso coffee I hope capsules. so. <laughs> 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 well, that is one of their growth pillars. The second one is uh, pet food. Yeah. Pets have been a massive trend of the last few years. I've succumbed to it with a two-year-old cocker spaniel. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like hearing the age of people's pets because you can see, like, where relative to COVID. Yeah, yeah exactly. So November 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the third category is protein and the fourth is healthcare. So all of these have large addressable markets, are growing above GDP or general economic growth, and a high margin. We pulled out from one of their investor presentations those four categories. Mm-hmm. They said protein, healthcare, premium coffee, and pet food, which mm-hmm. all makes sense. They also said hot fill beverage, and the photo is a photo of a Gatorade bottle, and we have no idea what that means. <laughs> Do you know what that means? <laughs> so I'm not an expert. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that to start. Uh, but you can either... The production process will either be hot or will be cold, and Gatorade bottles are done in a hot fill process. So there's a mould and and the the inputs are poured hot. with oh, heat. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that makes so much more sense. So the bottle, like the plastic, is hot. Exactly. We, when, were, like, when it's we were like, Gatorade's not hot. <laughs> okay, glad you're here, Anna, because that makes so much more sense. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So those are the four key categories. Emerging markets are also a really big opportunity just as, you know, incomes, populations, um, moving to more sophisticated retail outlets from the likes of wet markets. So that really plays into that protein theme, uh, packaging red meat, uh, for example. And the other upside could come from accretive M&A and the US dollar weakening. So, yeah, again, because of the range of earnings outcomes being relatively limited, sentiment is that much more of an important driver. Mm-hmm. So in this scenario that we're talking about, we're saying economic growth is going to slow. Uh, and when thinking about the earnings multiple that w- would be applied in that scenario, you'd think it would be a risk-off scenario. And Amco does well in a risk-off environment, which means investors are flooding to those safety stocks. Yeah. Uh, so that will be the higher earnings and the higher valuation to get your higher share price. Love it. Well, let's flip the coin. What's the, what's the downside? What's the bear case if, if things don't pan out? Or what are the red flags that we should be looking for when it comes to a company like Amcor? Yeah, the bear case is clearly the opposite. So earnings below expectations and a lower valuation to get you a lower times a 
lower. Yeah. Share Equals price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think about that too much because a negative times a negative is a positive. But anyway. <laughs> so using the same framework of the macro, the fundamental and the sentiment, the worst case scenario would be if we entered a deep global recession. Uh, volumes are soft across the board regardless of the eating out, eating in, uh, and competitors would start discounting. That would be a bad scenario because you've got lower volumes, you've got lower price equals yeah. lower revenues. Um, continued strength in the US dollar also hurts Amcor quite materially, and both these factors are negative for earnings. And then the opposite is also true for the fundamentals. So if those growth pillars and emerging markets don't come off uh, as the market expects, that would be negative. And then again, the, fun, uh, the sentiment is the bigger driver really here. And if the slowdown in growth is so severe that central banks have to conclude their hiking cycle earlier than expected, market's going to be all on. Mm. Yeah. And people don't want to own these defensive names when, when, we're, when we're back in a bull market. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me those unprofitable tech stocks. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that would be a lower earnings on a lower earnings multiple. Yeah, nice. You mentioned competitors there. I don't know how competitive the, the packaging world is, how much new innovation is coming through, but uh, there are a couple of other big names. You know, Vizzy is another one that sort of came out of Australia and is taking on the world. Um, how do you think about Amcor relative to its competitive set? They're clearly the market leader. So they're number one in flexible and rigid packaging in North America. They're number one in flexible packaging in Europe, Asia Pacific and LATAM, and they're number one globally in healthcare packaging. So it's a pretty... Uh, impressive position to yeah, be in yeah. and, and they should be at the forefront of, of price uh, and innovation. Yeah. The way we described it earlier in this episode is if you've walked into a supermarket aisle, you've been surrounded by Amcor packaging. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> We've had a lot of number ones this series. Number one, non-alcoholic beverages, Coke. Number one, apparel, Nike. <laughs> number one, national Sorry. storage. <laughs> Jeez, national NSR. storage would be stoked no one to make <laughs> No one online car sales. <laughs> anyway, um, so to close out, to close out, Anna, um, we want to understand the long term view here and we finished our sort of um, conversation around sustainability and so that's got to factor in your thinking when it comes to, to Amcor. Mm -hmm. what, what does the next 10 years or what does Amcor look like in 10 years? And if you can speak to the sustainability side, yeah, that'd be great. So in 10 years, we're closing in on 2033. Um, and while this isn't a podcast on sustainability, it is clearly of utmost importance to Amcor's financial future over the long term. And it's a very different discussion talking about the long-term view of Amcor versus the short term, which is so focused on the economic cycle. Mm. In 2033, sustainability targets would be that much further progressed. Well, they better be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just clearly unacceptable the amount of non-recyclable packaging that ends up in landfill every day. And I think the onus is on us as consumers to make good decisions about consumption and disposal of waste. It's on companies to package their goods responsibly. It's on waste companies and governments to provide the infrastructure. But the most upstream participant in this discussion is the packaging producers, mm. being Amcor. And there will always be a role for packaging to extend the shelf life of food and healthcare products, to protect consumers and to provide marketing to promote brands. But clearly a lot more progress needs to be made on the ability to use recycled content and packaging and the ability to then recycle the packaging. So Amcor is currently targeting 30% recycled materials by 2030 
And that is a recent goal uh, that's been publicised in the last few months, which is great. And they are market-leading innovators. As we said, they're number one in so many categories globally, so they should be at the forefront of change. But if they do execute on this, they'll gain further market share, they'll be able to charge what they want and ultimately generate earnings well above expectations Mm. over the long term. I think when you think about Amcor overall as an investment to put in the bottom drawer, it's a steady earnings compounder. It's not your 10-bagger that you keep up at night excited about, (laughs) but you also don't keep up at night worrying about how it's going to go. And when you're in my position where you're helping run a portfolio of stocks, it's a great one to have in your arsenal when you're wanting to move your portfolio more defensive. Mm. So it's it's a really good tool to have uh, a stock like Amcor in your portfolio and definitely worth doing the work on as a retail investor if you're wanting something that's maybe offset some of your more spicy things <laughs> that you can rely on for that 10 to 15% return year after year. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Well, we thank you so much for uh, for coming in and helping us unpack uh, Amcor uh, today. It's uh, a really interesting company and, and it's great to see some world leaders in our backyard. So, um, yeah, love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. A huge shout out to Sharesies for sponsoring the Equity Mates Summer Series. You can download the Sharesies app today or head to sharesies.com.au to find out more information. If you want to sign up, you can use the code GROW and Sharesies will put $10 into to your account to get you started investing. So, Ren, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.